We could do that more often, couldn't we? Let our kids sing. I, I love what our kids are learning, not just to sing songs in front of a stage, but the message of their songs. If you're listening, I want them to know that. I want them to not just be able to sing the songs. I want them to know the stories that they're singing about and the, and the verses that they're quoting. So uh, Lindsay is doing a great job. Our people that are working with our youth are doing a great job and, and our children uh, man, we, we just uh, pray for the continued spread of the gospel amongst our, our little ones as, as they're going, as well as the spread of the gospel all over. Uh, here a couple of weeks ago is spring break. You remember spring break? Some of you remember it more than others, but spring break happened, and Linda and I took an opportunity to go to Columbia, Missouri. Uh, if you would uh, put that picture up for me, Mike. Uh, hopefully you could see that. Uh, uh, that... Uh, Linda and I took the opportunity to go visit a lady named Marge Ingmeyer. And we had a great visit. We had a great visit. Just uh, she, was, she was sharp, you know, at this age. But Marge has always uh, never lost her, her, her thinking uh, and, and uh, was able to have carry on a real good conversation. We stayed much longer than we thought. We had lunch with her. And uh, sadly, we left. And uh, we, we just really enjoyed that visit. Uh, I was told that, that after we had left, sometime after she had declined, it was this last Wednesday that Marge passed away. And uh, uh, I, yeah, sentiment is sad. I, I mean, at first I thought, I thought about sadness, but I can't help but think about celebration along with that. And, and I want you to understand, those of you who knew Marge understand what I'm about to say. Uh, those of you who don't know Marge, I'm not callous, Okay. Uh, matter of fact, I do a lot, of, a lot of funeral services. I do them for people from the church, people who have received Christ, and I do a lot of services for those who have not received Christ. And uh, I, honestly, I approach every funeral service, and I see it as an opportunity uh, to do some celebration. I tell the families that, man, this is an opportunity for us to celebrate their life. Uh, and I, I let them know, I said, God gave them this life and, and every day that they had was a gift from God. And, and it, it was, every day is grace and it's mercy. Every day that they lived, and, and so our praise is going to go up before God. But that's the end of the celebration. That's the, the reason for the celebration is the time that they had. It is so much different. A funeral, I'm telling the guy who leads a lot of funeral services, it is so much different for someone who knew Jesus. It is so much different because the celebration is more than just what has been given and the life and the days, but it is, it is about the eternity that they've entered into. And so for Marge, when it comes to a memorial service, it will be a celebration of God, we praise you for Marge, we praise you how she invested, how she gave, and, and, and how she loved, and, and we were able to love her, but even more so, we celebrate because of where she's headed and, and, and the wonderful, uh, wonderful hope that she held on to all life is now, now being realized. Where does that hope come from? Where, do, where does that confidence in, in not just living this life today, but looking forward to the one that's to come? 
Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, we've been traveling through 1 Corinthians. I know many of you are here uh, for the first time or haven't been here for a while. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about this aspect of life after death. 1 Corinthians 15, let me read for you the first four verses. Here's, here's what it says in 15. Paul says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. Again, according to the scriptures. Paul begins this first by saying, I, I, acknowledging that, hey, those of you who have taken a stand... He sees the Corinthians who he's writing to. These are people who have taken a stand. And, and you know, what does that mean? What does it mean to take a stand? I, I believe it, it matters uh, or, or what, that Jesus matters in their life. They have both received Jesus and they're following after Jesus. They're people who have taken a stand. It is, it is maybe another way to say it. They are people of faith. And I believe this morning many of you uh, that I'm going to be speaking to are people who, have, who are taking a stand today. And, and that stand is upon Jesus Christ. If, if that's true, say amen. 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 Appreciate that. So I'm speaking to people who have taken a stand uh, upon Jesus Christ. Both have received him and are living uh, on, on his behalf. You are maybe even call yourselves disciples of Jesus, following after him. Um, we live for Jesus we live for Jesus because he lives for us. I didn't say lived with a D as in past tense. He lives for us. And that's the emphasis that Paul makes in chapter 15 uh, throughout. And we're going to talk a little bit as we proceed of what that means. First of all, living for Jesus begins when we accept his gospel. Living for Jesus begins when we accept his gospel. When we think about the gospel, matter of fact, you kids, when you sang about it, uh, you said something about good news, the good news in your words, that's the gospel. Gospel means good news, good news means the gospel. And, and actually, Paul lays out the gospel very simply in verses 3 and 4. It's in 3 and 4. Here, here it is. Let me lay it out for you. Christ died for our sins he was buried and he was raised on the third day that's the that's the gospel Paul's laying out as simple as possible Jesus died for our sins he was buried and he raised on and he was raised on the third day the resurrection so that's the that's the good news that Paul is laying out here now Later on, Paul, you know, many of us who've been going through 1 Corinthians wonder, well, what, what's he dealing with? Uh, where's he going with this? Paul is dealing with another problem from the Corinthians. And the Corinthians have had lots of problems. This problem is shown in verse 12. And, and the, it comes up with a question. It says, how can some of you say, Paul is saying, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Uh, Matter of fact, it's kind of easy. The world around us believes there is no resurrection, correct? The world around us, the world around us believes that death is final. And that's understandable. 
Uh, we, we see good people leave or, or even those close to us and death, and it is a difficult thing to face. There's sorrow because of death. There's weeping because of death. Matter of fact, uh, when we think about the world, even when Jesus was here, with, amongst people who believed in resurrection, death seemed final. A couple of stories I remember Jesus uh, had to, went through. Was, one was with a man named Jairus. Jairus' daughter was deathly ill, 12 years old, and she was on her sickbed. Jairus, of course, man, whatever it takes, that dad attitude, went after the man who's walking around healing and doing miraculous things, went after Jesus while she was still sick. Got to Jesus, said, come follow me, please, my daughter is, is deathly ill, please come. Even before Jesus made it to Jairus' home, uh, someone came and said, hey, your daughter has passed. Don't bother, don't bother the master anymore. But Jesus said, hey, don't be afraid. Yeah, believe. And so he made his way on over to, to Jairus' home. And, and when he got there, the funeral proceedings had already begun. Not like we do. You know, someone passes. We do some grieving. But we set the date for the finality, you know, a few days later or even, you know, weeks later. That, that has been taken, especially this past year. But immediately, the mourners come, and they're weeping, and they're crying. So that's what the scene, when Jesus arrives, and they're, they're, they're all in for uh, just, just lamenting the death of this little girl. And Jesus, in his passing, going towards the house, said, uh, she's, not, she's not dead, she's only asleep. And their response, and can I be honest with you, is a response many of us would have, Oh, yeah, right, right. It, it would be laughter. And it says in the scripture that they just laughed at Jesus and what he said. Because, hey, we know what death is, right? We can tell the difference between someone who's dead and someone's alive. I mean, there's breath, there's a heartbeat, there's warmth in life. But in death, there's no heartbeat, there's no breath, and the body goes cold. And that was this little girl. At that time. So they, Jesus, along with a couple of apostles and, and the parents of the little girl, walked into the house and Jesus reached out, took her hand and said, uh, Rise up. Ask her, just, just get up. And, and the scripture says that her spirit re entered her body and she was alive. Resurrection. Uh, there's another case where we see the response of people concerning resurrection. It was when a good friend of his, Lazarus, had passed away. Uh, matter of fact, it's kind of the same story. They came, hey, Lazarus is sick. And so Jesus, before he got there, Lazarus had already died. Matter of fact, four days he had been uh, dead and already placed in the tomb. Again, they're quick at burying their dead. They didn't, it didn't last a long period of time. So the mourners were still there. People still gathered. And Jesus made his way to in front of the tomb and he asked for the stone to be removed so Lazarus could come out. And one of the responses was, hey, Jesus, four days, he already stinks. We're not expecting. But prior to that, Jesus made this great declaration. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus' identity. I am the resurrection and life. Boy, do we know it when he comes to his own death and his own resurrection. Paul actually says... And in response to these people who say, hey, there is no resurrection. Paul actually says to them, if there is no resurrection, then there's problems. 
we got a lot of problems in this building right now if there is no resurrection. And what are they? Paul lays them out in verses, if you want to look a little bit later, it's 14 through 19. Paul lays out the problems. First of all, you're listening to a fool right now. You're listening to a foolish man who is declaring a, a resurrection from the dead. Are you serious? How foolish if, if there is no resurrection. And matter of fact, you're a bunch of fools for being here and listening to me. So I'm not alone. Uh, we're, we're just a bunch of fools who are, yeah, because there is no resurrection. If there is no re- resurrection. Uh, a second problem with that is if there is no resurrection, then you are still in your sins then you are still in your sins. You are still in your brokenness. You are under condemnation for your sins, and you're going to have to pay for it. Also, those who have gone before us, those that we've celebrated their life and even entered into to, to eternity, for instance, Marging Meyer, there is no celebration if there is no resurrection. Paul makes that clear. Bottom line, he says, we're all pitied. We should be a people who are pitied because look what we're doing with our time. I mean, come on. There's fishing to be done. There's golfing to be played. There's TV to be watched. Oh, because that's so constructive and, and useful. But, but boy, a whole lot of other things that we ought to be doing than being here today if there is no resurrection. That's what Paul says. Matter of fact, Paul comes to the place that, hey, listen, if there is no resurrection, then Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Then Jesus didn't raise from the dead. But Jesus, part of the gospel message that we hold on to, that the Corinthians said that the Corinthians take their stand upon is this. Jesus rose on the third day. It's not just the crucifixion. It's not the fact that he was just laid in the, the, the tomb for three days, but he was raised on that third day. And, and matter of fact, Paul even lays, lays out eyewitnesses. Hey, there's a foundation for our believing this. Because there's people around who can tell you that they saw Jesus. Uh, think about it. Cephas, who's, who's called Peter. He saw Jesus. The apostles saw Jesus. Among them is Thomas. Remember Thomas? That they, they lay this claim upon him, be doubting Thomas. But honestly, if I were in Thomas's shoes... I would have a hard time thinking he was alive as well. But anyway, this doubting Thomas said, unless I see his hands and his side and and able to touch, then then I can't believe. Jesus made his appearance to Thomas. Even even in his unbelief, Jesus gave him reasons to believe. Here's my hands. Here's my side. And Thomas would be an eyewitness to that. Later on, he even says that there's 500 brothers and sisters in Christ, some of those still living, who were witnesses, eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. And then he said, finally, I'm an eyewitness too. <laughs> I, I, was, I was out persecuting the church, and Jesus stopped me. Jesus, right, right in front of my face, told me, why are you persecuting me? I am, I am Jesus. So there are, there are oh, overwhelming uh, evidence, uh, eyewitnesses of those who had seen Jesus after his death, that he was raised to life. Here's the good news that, that's included. We said there's a gospel, good news. Uh, it's good news because Jesus rose from the dead. He makes all resurrections happen. He makes all resurrections possible. That's why we're here. 
It's not a vain reason. There's purpose. We're not pitied people. Those that don't know the message, there's pity there. Those who have rejected. Now listen, we live for Jesus because he lives for us. We live for Jesus because he lives for us. And in that, life in Jesus brings salvation and life eternal. Life in Jesus brings salvation and life eternal. Because he rose from the dead, we have forgiveness. Now we say, well, that came through the cross. But, but that's, not, that's not all. The gospel is not just the message of Jesus' death. It is, it is Jesus' death along with his resurrection that justifies and sanctifies our lives. That, that's our salvation. Is that whole story. His death and his resurrection. A couple of verses just to, to secure that. Romans 4.25, Paul says, For if while we were God's in oh, excuse me, 4.25 says, He was delivered out to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Justified. Sanctified. Sanctified through His blood. Justified through His resurrection. In chapter 5, verse 10 Scripture says, or Paul goes ahead to say, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Paul wasn't speaking about his life before his death. He was speaking about his life, his life after the resurrection. Seated at the right hand of God, being a constant reminder to God of what he has done on our behalf. God's great plan through his word is all laid out. I mean, from, from beginning to end, we, we see the whole story. In the beginning, there was Adam. And, and Paul says, through Adam, sin had its beginning. Through one man, sin had its beginning. And through one man, Paul says, life is given. Through Jesus. He came and through his death, through his resurrection, we are promised that life. And God brings it all together. I mean, here's the beginning in Genesis where Adam is. In the Gospels, we find out this great uh, Messiah is Jesus. And then, but there's a great conclusion that's ahead of us. Paul includes it in this chapter 15 in verses 22, excuse me, 24 through 26. He, he goes on to say that, that there's going to be that time when he gathers those who belong to him together. He's going to gather those, those people who take their stand. He's going to gather them together. Then here's the conclusion. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, all authority, all power. Did you hear that? The end of all things. All dominion, all authority, all power. It's going to be, be destroyed. I, I know the world around us seems so powerful. And, and the, the forces, the, the things of evil, man, they seem to be working in this world. And it does seem powerful to us. But it is, it is fake. Can I tell you it's fake? It's not true power. There's going to be a time when God reveals his great sovereignty and his great power. And it's not going to be a lot of effort on his part to destroy those things. He continues on. He says, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Speaking about Jesus, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death. 
which seems so final to us, but Jesus makes life so real. He makes it so real to us. There's going to be a time when kingdom is completed and, and God's great des- destination of, of kingdom being brought together for all eternity. And that's what we're looking forward to. It matters. It matters where you place your stand or where you take your stand, doesn't it? It matters where you take your stand. Scripture makes it really clear. There is no other way except through Jesus. There is no other way except through Jesus. That's God's provision for sin, for salvation, uh, through sin, uh, because of sin, sorry. That the thing is, is that we, uh, w- those of us who have taken our stand, we have a hope that we embrace and, and, and cling to every day. The final point I want to make, again, we live for Jesus because he lives in us. Paul actually made this thought earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. From that chapter 6, we came up with this this statement that the body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. In chapter 6, it was was really important. The Lord for the body as the, the, excuse me, the body for the Lord as, as the Lord is for the body. Now, the Lord is for the body. Man, he came, he sacrificed, he gave his all. Now, now the uh, body for the Lord, that's us when we come to that place of living for him. The Corinthians, as I said, they, were, they had problems. Uh, they abused freedom. They abused freedom. They, they thought, well, hey, listen, uh, because everything is going to be destroyed later on, here's what we're going to do. You know, it's, it's the stomach for food and food for the stomach. That was one of their sayings. And that's a, that idea of, hey... Food is good. We're going to indulge in it. We're going to take it in. There's no reason to put any kind of uh, regulations upon it. We're just going to enjoy food because what? We have freedom. The same thought came to sex. You know, hey, sex for the body, body for sex. We're just going to indulge and do whatever we want with this life. But in, in, in that chapter 16, uh, in, in chapter 16, Paul again brought up the, re- the resurrection. He said, no, listen. You don't belong to yourselves anymore. In verse 14, he says, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will, and, and he will raise us also. So it's not destruction of, of things afterwards. There's life that comes, and that life comes because of Jesus. So, so the way we live, so the, the, the end question is, so what? What are you doing with that? What are you doing with the fact that Jesus lives today? And, and the answer to that is, listen, it's not living according to your own desires and your own will and your own satisfactions. That's not the pursuit. The pursuit, I believe, is Jesus. To be able to live for him. The Lord, uh, the body for the Lord. I mean, I am for the Lord. My purpose, my pursuit is, is to love him and to serve him and to give him praise every day of my life. To pursue that. I take a stand for him. In chapter 15, verse, verse 58. Here's, here's the great conclusion to all this from Paul. Paul actually says, my dear brothers and sisters, stand. He doesn't just say stand, but stand firm. And one thing, hey, don't pursue the things of the world. Don't pursue the things that are temporary. Pursue the things that are, that are eternal. The things that are going to be of his kingdom, the things of Jesus. Pursue those things. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord 
is not in vain. Listen, living for Jesus begins when we accept and live according to that gospel. Hey, listen, he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he was raised to life on the third day. And, and, and also, that this life in Jesus brings to us salvation, a forgiveness of sins, and, and life eternal. The body is for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. That is to say that we have the opportunity to live for Him. We, we don't celebrate resurrection one day a week. I mean, one day a year. We celebrate resurrection every single day. So one of the things that we just give God praise for. Jesus lives. He is my representative before God. He is that forgiveness that I absolutely need. I want to share with you just the, uh, the final text. When I found out on Wednesday, I received a call uh, concerning um, Marge's passing. And, and right away, I sent a text to her daughter, Neva. And here's, here's what I, I, first of all, just said. I said, I just heard, I'm so sorry. What a beautiful, God-loving lady. All those years of praying now turns to face-to-face conversation. I knew Marge is a prayer. And, and she always said, well, we're praying for you. Prayed for my family, prayed for my wife. And so I just, I, in my thought, I said, now it's not just eyes closed and in my recliner or wherever I'm doing that praying it's now face-to-face conversation. Neva responded this way. This is her daughter, Neva. The reality of where she is now and being with our Lord is so amazing. Can't imagine. So happy for her. The struggle was worth it. Isn't that great? The st- hey, listen. The stand is worth it. The stand is worth it. Standing on on behalf of Jesus, believing in the death and resurrection, sharing it with those who don't know, because, hey, listen, if they die without Jesus, guess who's most to be pitied? Is those who rejected the truth about what Jesus did on their behalf. But oh, the celebration. Oh, the celebration for those who are ready and prepared with Jesus. Why do we celebrate Jesus' resurrection? Oh, yay, Jesus rose from the dead. Don't forget the so what. The so what is it means life for you and I. That's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate the greatest, most depressing, difficult thing in life is facing death. And Jesus conquered it. Jesus conquered it. Oh, man, it's worth celebrating. It's worth rolling. Uh, rejoicing over it is worth standing for. It's worth standing for. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you always for Jesus. We thank you for your word, Lord, and for Paul just uh, confronting people who say that there is no resurrection. And Lord, it's easy for us to believe that. It seems so final, and yet, Lord, the message that we have is there go- there's going to be this great resurrection day. That, that when we're done here on this, this world, that you are, are going to return and gather those of us who have gone before. And, and Lord, there's going to be that beginnings of eternity. 
Lord, we praise you for your word. We praise you for the evidence. This, this isn't just a story. Lord, there are the, those who have seen it. And Lord, we praise you that it's written down for us to understand its content. Lord, we pray that you strengthen us. Lord, for those who have not yet taken that stand, help them, bring them into understanding. Bring them to embrace and to read your word for themselves and, and to ask the questions so they could come into to, to that idea or that, that place of truly believing in Jesus as Savior, the one who died for our sins, the one who was buried, the one who was raised on the third day. God, we praise you always for Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.